last few weeks, um, Beth and I have had the, the privilege of welcoming um, three different sets of friends from the United States uh, to have them come, to do a little touring with them, uh, a time to reconnect with them relationally, but also to show them the beauty and the history of Europe. And it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. But one, one experience that happened, um, not this last Saturday, but the Saturday before, um, really kind of captured me and I think relates to what we're going to talk about today. Um, I picked up Steve and Cindy Nelson, who some of you met last week, who were, they were at the celebration service uh, and, and at the airport and uh, was uh, evil enough to take them to Bruges. So not to rest, but to keep moving. So we went to the other side of Belgium, uh, not towards Luxembourg, but to Bruges and took them. Uh, Steve is a brewer. He, he does some home brewing and uh, he wanted to see a, a, a brewery there and they have one. And so it was a lot of fun. And our timing just worked out a little bit weird in terms of taking the tour. So we had about 40 minutes and I walked them down to the market plots um, there. And uh, it's, it's, really, it's really beautiful. If you haven't been there, it's, it's uh, worth seeing sometime. But I remember walking over there, and we come in, and there's this band playing. It's about 2 o'clock, 2, 2.15, 2.30. There's this band playing, there's people, and, and Steve just, he just hugs me. He says, huh? I'm like, what? And, and he just, he says, thanks. And, and for a moment, I was like, well, for what? And, and uh, he just, he was just struck by the beauty um, by all, by the sounds, the smell, the look, the whole sense of it, and it just overwhelmed him in a wonderful way. So that he had to do something, which ended up being to hug me, uh, which is fine. <laughs> Steve and I are friends, but but it did make me ask and kind of wake me up. And I, I thought, you know, he sees something I don't see. He, he I mean, I'm here, and I, I, it's nice, it's nice, but I don't feel like I have to hug anyone. <laughs> it's nice. But Steve saw something that I had, I had missed, a beauty that was there. Um, it's, for me, it was, it was just another square in another beautiful European city. But it was more than that for Steve. And, and in fact, we got a call from them about a few days later. They were in Switzerland in the Interlaken area. And he called and he said, I wish you were here because I need to hug you again. <laughs> um, and they, were, they had this little uh, hotel that's out over this lake um, in, in that area, which if you've ever been there, it's just gorgeous. And the sun was out and they just were marveling. Um, but I thought about this in a lot of our passage today, asking the question, what, what do you see? What do you see? Because this passage is all about what Jesus sees as he travels around uh, the area of, around Jerusalem, probably uh, Galilee. What, what does he see? And it makes me ask the question before we get into what he sees, is to ask, what do we see when we walk around Luxembourg? When we drive here and there, when we go to our office, when we meet our friends at a cafe, when we linger and enjoy a moment maybe out in the sun. What do we see? I mean, I see well-dressed people. They look nice. They look put together. Um, many, not all, but many are well-styled. You know, much, they look quite a bit nicer than my, I do. Um, they, their hair is put together. They, they don't look, uh, uh, you know, like they're poor. They look financially well-off. Some of them are hurried, it seems like, but then again, so am I. Rushing from here to there, having places to go. I usually can't tell whether they're happy or sad. I think, I think uh, for many people, they kind of, some people you can't, but for some they just, you know, they, they kind of have a, a business-like face and they go about, so um, I, I don't know. Maybe some of them are, in, are enjoying life, maybe some of them are not so sure. Um, but 
I'd say for the most part, these people are somewhere in the middle of life. They're not desperate. They don't, they don't have a sense of desperation, a sense of, of neediness, a sense of things aren't put together. But I would also not look at them and say, these people are flourishing. They're experiencing life to the fullest, and it, it's coming out. It's, it's becoming Steve Nelson moments of, I have to hug you. I have to celebrate what I'm seeing and experiencing, because it's so good. And to be honest, I really don't know enough of them where they're at. I don't know them well enough to be able to actually say where I think or what I know about where they're at. I can't be confident in my assessment. But that raises the question, what does Jesus see? If Jesus is walking around with us, if he sees, which I think he does because he is with us, all that we see, what does he see? The New Living Translation tells us that Jesus saw people who were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. They were bullied. They were oppressed, and they were unable to rescue themselves from the oppressions they felt, whether those impressions, those oppressions were from outside sources or from the inside in their life. Their harassment was both external. They were oppressed by the government. They were oppressed by Rome, who was taxing them and, and saying, you can do this, you can't do that. They were oppressed by the religious leaders. The people who were actually supposed to help give them life were actually sucking the life out of them. They had societal pressures, probably occupational harassments. And from the inside, the power of sin in their life to drive them to do what they didn't want to do and what they knew was destructive, but they still, they still did. Just the self-destructive nature of people. They felt it. They were leaderless. They had plenty of leaders, really. They had religious leaders. They, have, they had uh, uh, government leaders, but they had no good leaders. They were leaderless, like sheep without a shepherd. By the way, if, you're, if you don't know, being compared to a sheep as a person is not a compliment. I, I don't know about you, but I've been ride, driving around Luxembourg a little bit, and the new sheep are out. The little sheep, they're so cute, aren't they? But, but when Jesus says we're like sheep without shepherds, it's not a compliment. Sheep left to themselves are self-destructive. They wander away from life. If they get into a stream that's too deep for them, they will drown themselves. If there's no one to guide them, they will walk off where they become easy prey. They need a shepherd. They need someone to lead them. They're quickly confused. And they have a hard time looking beyond the next meal. Just in the same way that maybe we have a hard time looking beyond this moment or this month or this life into what's bigger and larger. Jesus said, I see people, but they're like sheep without shepherds, without good shepherds. And for a time you can live without a shepherd, but you will never flourish. You will never be, you will never live life well without a shepherd. They had many leaders. We have many leaders. But do we have any good ones? We have, obviously, ourselves. We lead ourselves a lot, most of the time. We have government. Yeah, we're not too excited about that. We have religious leaders. Yeah, not any better, is it? And then we have, we have other leaders we plug into, other things that we let lead us, that we plug into to lead us. How many have this leader? Well, not this style. You know, this is old. But maybe the iPhone leader, or the iPod leader, or the laptop leader, or the big screen TV LCD mega T 
TV leader. Where we plug in. And we let that shape our soul. We let that be more than just entertainment and enjoyment, but something that drives us, leads us, shapes us. None of these things are bad. None of these things, these things are great, they're wonderful, they're helpful. But when they become what is most important to us, they are leading us. We have lots of leaders, but no good ones. None are adequate. None will allow us to flourish. And Jesus walks where you walk. And He sees around you leaderless people. Those who are missing life with God, the life that God intended. Those who are plugged into boxes, but disconnected from Him now and into the future. That's what Jesus sees. You know, I wonder... If we were to walk, if we were to actually physically be there with Jesus and we say, what do you see? We would probably be so shocked at what he sees. You know, the disciples had that experience. They went around with Jesus. They did a lot of things with Jesus and, and they, were, they got tired and they said, you know, we, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to take a break. And Jesus says, no, you, you can't because you, don't you see these needs? You can't just send these people away. Don't you see? They need to be fed. And so he fed them. Don't you see? But I think for us, one of the questions that this passage raises is this. Well, what qualifies Jesus to judge the condition of people? To say that they're sheep without a shepherd? To say that they're harassed? I mean, who is he? Now, we're, you know, most of us are Christians. We don't actually say that. We just think it. We just live it, don't we? But, but for everybody else, goes, well, so what if he thinks that? That's not what I think. What qualifies Jesus to say that? It's a very Western question, but it's one that's in our hearts, so we might as well answer it. I think the first answer to this question comes from the passage here where it says that Jesus traveled around the towns and the villages and the areas teaching the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He was announcing something that they could not see, but that was coming and was real. He was a herald. He was someone sent to proclaim there is a kingdom coming that is far different than this kingdom, far better. Get ready. It's real. And so he announced to them what was coming. He had a unique perspective. He created the world and was there at the beginning. He is there at the end and he knows how everything will be and he understands the beginning from the end and how all things, including your life and every life, fits. He has a wider perspective, a bigger sense of reality. It's unique. And therefore, He reveals that reality to us and He teaches us what it is and He says, live in light of this. He says, I know. I know what people are meant to be and I know what you are. And you know what? You're sheep without a shepherd. You're harassed. You may think you're living the life, but you're not. There is so much more to life that God has for you than what is here. And wisdom is the art of living life well in spite of those invisible realities. How to live life when you don't know where all the pitfalls are, all the the, uh, barriers are. And Jesus says, follow me, listen to me, and I will lead you through that invisible maze so you can flourish and be all that God intends for you to be. 
The second thing I think that it talks about why Jesus can, can judge our condition is this, is he went around and he healed people of all their diseases and all their illnesses. He got close to them. He looked into their soul. He looked into the brokenness of their body. And he met their deepest need exactly where they were. You know, when, when, when the scriptures say that Jesus heals, you know what that means? It means he restores them back to the way God intended them to be. When a hand was shriveled and he heals it and he makes it so it works again, that's the way God intended to be. When someone is blind and he allows them to see, he makes them the way God intended them to be. He restores to the original creation of what God wants. A little taste of the kingdom of God, life being right, comes when Jesus heals. And they were changed with an encounter with him. They were freed. They were invigorated. They were renewed. They were restored. But he knew them. He got close to them. He felt the pain of their souls, the fears, and their needs. He looked beyond how they dressed, whether they were well put together, whether they smelled good, to who they really are. And he says, you are like sheep without a shepherd. He did this in all the villages and towns of this area, probably Galilee. He got face to face. He listened deeply. He laughed with them. He cried with them. He touched them. He got under the surface of people. People from various backgrounds, people with various needs. And so he knows people from the inside out. He knows everything about them from every side. And so when he says, from heaven, you're like sheep without a shepherd, he doesn't just speak words without knowledge. He is revealing to us what is true. That we are harassed, all of us. That we are oppressed in different ways. And that we are leaderless because we refuse to let someone lead us. We choose to lead ourselves. You know, the big question really is not what gives Jesus the right to judge people and their condition. The big question really is this, is what makes us think we know better than God? And I don't say that to you in terms of an, a mean to shut down the question that we have is what gives him the right to judge, but so that we can really reflect on and really ponder that reality. What makes us think that we know about people and life better than God? Because often we do, and often we live that way. We hear what God has to say, and we go, eh, I don't think I really agree with that, God. What qualifies us? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at asking questions about what qualifies other people. And sometimes what qualifies God, but I'm not very good at turning the question back towards me. And saying, what qualifies me? But every once in a while, it's a good question to ask. The reality that Jesus says is that there, there are needs around us that we often miss. We're kind of like me in that, in that square, and, and Jesus is kind of like Steve Nelson, and, and, and he says, this is beautiful, this is amazing, and he gives me a big hug, and I go, what, what, what? We don't see it. And Jesus is trying to say to us, you know what, you don't see what's out there. You don't realize what the needs are. 
You need to see. Jesus sees all around us, well-to-do, intelligent, put-together people who need God's love, who need God's forgiveness, who need their lives to be reoriented, and who need restoration, who need healing. And the church does not meet that need, by the way. Jesus does. We are the ones who point other people to the source of healing and hope. We are not that source of healing. The church is here to create a community and a place where people can come to encounter God through Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. Because we can't fix them. Because we're still broken too. But He can. And He says, bring them to me. For I can touch them. One more thing that Jesus sees is He sees that the harvest is plentiful. If you see that at the end of the passage here, he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. The harvest is plentiful. What do you see where you work in your neighborhood? Do you see a harvest, a plentiful harvest of lots of people who want to be reaped in and and are ready to come and and be healed and made whole? My guess is we don't. (laughs) You know, most people, especially probably Europeans, have rejected a God that I believe doesn't exist. They're right in their rejection of God, but they've rejected a God that doesn't exist, but they've never heard about or encountered the God who does. They think they've rejected something, but it's not true. And so oftentimes they're sadly not open, or not as open, to the real God. The church has given them a bad portrait of who God is. And they've said no, rightly said no. But they are looking to the blessings that God gives in all the things in this world, but the greatest blessing is not the things, it's God. He gives life. He brings enjoyment out of all those things. And without Him, none of those things would really satisfy And bring joy to us. Jesus looks at the Kirschberg at lunchtime and he says, The harvest is plentiful. Look at all these people who need to be restored, to be healed, to be led. He looks down in the Gar area uh, in the morning with all the people streaming out and he says, The harvest is plentiful. Look at all these people who need a place in a community to be healed, to be freed. He walks into a school, into a nightclub, into an office complex, into the place you work, into the commune. And he says, look, the harvest here is plentiful. That's what he sees. He sees need, and he sees a God who meets that need in the life of people. You know, I think people are more willing to encounter God than we are honestly willing to tell them about Him or to share our experience with Him. That doesn't mean that they're always in agreement. That doesn't mean they always shake our hand and thank us afterwards. (laughs) But they are more willing to listen to us, share what He is doing in our life than we are willing to share with them what He's happening in us. Jesus says, look at this harvest. Look at these people. Look at the lostness. The harvest is plentiful. These people don't want, I don't want them to rot. I want them to be brought in. Because if you don't harvest, that's what happened. 
the harvest rots. It goes to waste. And he says there's no reason for that to happen, but where are the workers? But it's such an interesting thing. He doesn't say, so you guys are the workers. He says, therefore pray. Pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Pray for people to be more willing and for us to be willing to help people encounter Jesus, not religion. You know, prayer is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Because sometimes when we really pray, we become the answer to our prayer that we had not expected to be or wanted to be. We kind of thought we could pray and say, okay, great God, you take care of it. But he says, no, pray. You know, the other thing that happens when we pray is that our heart is changed. Oftentimes we pray and we go, well, you know, we did, we, we said, Lord, I'll pray, I'll pray. I'm not sure there's a harvest. Maybe some of you are probably sitting here today. You probably, you've been here a lot longer than I have in Luxembourg. And you say, you know what, Paul, come on. We know. We live in Europe. There's no harvest here. There's just little seeds of people on the ground that you can kind of find from time to time. There's no harvest here. Jesus says there is. Jesus says there is. And the challenge for us is to say this. Well, I believe what Jesus says, even though I cannot see it. Or will I believe what I believe? and walk in my own direction, in my own way. Jesus looks in your office, in the place where you work, in the neighborhood you live, and says, there's a harvest here. He says, there's a need over here. There's a hurt over here. There's a longing over here that you can't see and you wouldn't believe until you hear it from their own mouth. And it may take the next ten years. It may not be next week. But they'll say, yes, I am a sheep. And I am harassed. And I need what Jesus is offering. You know, our goal as a church, as we move into this next phase, as we move from this place, which is very comfortable, uh, except for most Sundays, it's too small. And we find another space and a place is this, is we're going to walk into the reality To believe what Jesus says. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, there are a lot of people who need what Jesus has to offer. And we're not the only church, and we may not be the best church, but we are a church that is willing to say, Jesus, we will believe you, even though we don't see it. Even though it's hard for us to figure out that there is a plentiful harvest here. Because you said that people without God are like sheep without a shepherd. And by the way, we have quite a few of those here, don't we? People who say no to God. There's a harvest. The only question is, will we pray? And that's my challenge to you today. As we think about our next step, and as we think about what Jesus is calling us to, is to do this, is to pray. And some of you, you say, you know, Paul, I don't really believe that there's a harvest out there. That's okay. Pray. Pray. Say, Lord, you say there's a harvest. I don't see a harvest. Show me a harvest. I can't see it. So I'm praying. I'm talking to you. Because God can change your heart and open your eyes. And some of you go, I, I, Paul, 
yes, God said it, I believe it, that finishes it, you know. Um, Pray. Pray that God will raise up people who are willing to go out and not beat people, not push people, but, but say, this is the Jesus I know. And He loves you deeply. And to say that first in actions, second in words, and then again in actions and actions and actions. And see if God does not bring a great, great harvest. Not for the glory of All Nations Church or the glory of the church in Luxembourg, but for His glory. So that the church, so that we might be all that He wants us to be. And that people might find rest, the peace, the care, the protection, the flourishing of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we're kind of like your disciples way back. We don't see it. We see lots of messes. We see people who are resistant. We see people who seem to not care at all. And yet you say, open your eyes. There is a harvest. And so, Lord, with the heart of faith, with whatever we have, we say to you, okay. And we pray. We pray that you would open our eyes to the harvest. We pray that you would be at work in the lives of people that we know. That they will step closer and closer to seeing that you are the answer to their lives, to their hope. And Lord, make us whatever part of that harvest that you want us to be. Both individually, but also as a church. Help us to step out in faith, both in terms of what we do in terms of how we use the resources, including our finances, in terms of our willingness to trust you for that future that you lead us into. Let us follow you. And may you be our shepherd who leads. In Jesus' name, amen.
be seated. Um, it's, it's that time of the year when uh, we, uh, we have a lot of different people leaving. And so uh, I think, Arthur, is it, it's your last Sunday. Come on up. So this is... Uh, Arthur has, uh, has been here, been playing basketball, and has also been very much a part of the church, including helping with the sound, uh, which means coming here early, figure out where all these wires go, so that when you come, uh, you can actually hear something, hopefully good, um, from us. So, uh, so Arthur, we're, just, we're so thankful um, that God has brought you here. Not sure. Do you know where you're going next? Where? Um, I'm going for a couple of days home, okay. and then I'm going to Pennsylvania for two okay. months to work as a basketball coach. So, and then I hope to come back okay. for next season okay. Okay. and work with you this morning. Okay. So we don't know exactly, he doesn't know exactly whether he'll be back or not, so that's why we're, we're doing this. If he comes back, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't tell him, hey, you're gone. So, um, but we really are glad, Even, wherever God takes you, we hope that his, the sense of his life and light, um, the sense of community here, that you'll take that with you wherever you go uh, and be a witness for Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we do this for our benediction? Father, we give you thanks for Arthur, for his life, his commitment to you, and his desire to be used of you in the life of youth. We pray that you would use him as he goes to Pennsylvania, that other people would see the greatness of God that you have put in him through Christ, and that you would give him both in word and deed the opportunity to share that love. And Lord, if it be your will, we pray you would bring him back here to use him in our midst and for us to be enriched through him. Lord, help us all to listen and follow, to see what you see, and to live into that new reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for coming today. We pray you have a great Sunday. Enjoy the weather. So, thank you.